This afternoon we're in this series called We Will Serve the Lord, and we've been looking at this issue of what it means to serve Him, serve Him collectively as a body, as a church, and then serve Him um, individually as individuals. What does that look like in our life? And so if this is like your first weekend with us or first service with us, and this is a great weekend for you to be here because over the next several weeks we're going to talk about some of the principles that Fellowship of the Rockies was was, is led around or, or the foundation of our church and some of our beliefs as well. And so last week we started looking, if you have your Bible, electronic devices, we're going to be in two groups of Scripture, Joshua chapter 24, and in the New Testament, uh, Romans chapter 15. And so we're going to look at this issue about we will serve the Lord, which is a statement, which is a declaration of faith. And so last week we started looking at Joshua, right? And we're going to, we're, we're going to look at that. But one of the things about our culture and one of the things about our time, because we talked about culture last week, is this, that our culture is becoming, because of media and technology, we're becoming more and more isolated, right? I mean, to where there's things you can do now that used to require friends and relationships. It no longer requires any friends. It no longer requires any relationships because you can do it with social media. You can do it with a laptop. You can do it with a cell phone. You can do it with a TV. All of those other things, fact is, the Internet. And I believe that's one of the reasons that our country is losing civility. Because we no longer know each other. We no longer look each other in the eyes and have a conversation and understand their side and all of those other things. And so it's easy to flame somebody on the internet or do a post or a blog or Facebook or whatever that we're losing the ability just to be civil to one another, just to be tolerant and just to love one another, encourage one another. And so as a result, I, I remember a CNN article that is, is written about a guy, uh, Jim Underwood is his name, San Antonio Texan, so he's a Texan, and so you've got to understand Texans and how they hunt and all that other stuff. But he came up with a, with a scheme and a business opportunity that he would allow people to hunt deer on his property off of the Internet. So you didn't even have to go. You didn't have to get a gun. You didn't have to go to his land. You'd pay a lot of money. And so on his land, they had some deer blinds, and they had some cameras, and you could, could get a password. You could log in. Um, you could view the – because in Texas, it's legal to feed deer. I know that just breaks your heart in Colorado because that's illegal here, totally illegal in Texas. And, and so you feed deer, and deer come at a certain time. So you could log on. Uh, you could see a camera, and you could see where they feed, and then you could see deer come out, and you could control the camera, and then, scary thing, but you can control the gun as well. And so they had the gun on a tri tripod with motorized and everything, and you could move the gun into position. With a click of the mouse, you could pull a trigger. There, there was a guy there just to make sure everything's cool. And so, so you could pull the trigger, and if you shot and killed the deer, then they would tag it for you. They would gut it and clean it and process it and send you the meat, and you wouldn't even have to go there. So, so with technology, now you can hunt or you can fish from your home. And so, so as a result of that, we're losing connectedness. But let me tell you something. Ministry can never be done at a distance. Ministry church was never designed to be done at a distance. It was never be, to be designed in such a way to where we didn't have relationships. We didn't know each other. We didn't encourage each other. We didn't pray for each other. And so Joshua, in the last days of his life, stands up in front of the people that he's going to lead. And he says these words. Watch this. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. He says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. Serve him how? 
in sincerity and in faithfulness. That word sincerity means with integrity. That word sincerity means with transparency. In other words, you're real. You're transparent. You're not fake. It's not a performance. It's not some religious thing you do. It's not something that you try to do to, 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 to uh, communicate to people or to convince people that you're better than them they are or that you live a perfect life and have a perfect family. None of that. In fact, as Joshua said, the way you serve him, you serve him with transparency. Oh, and you serve him with great faithfulness. And then he goes on and he says, put away the gods that your, uh, that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil, that word evil, come, the English word evil comes from a Hebrew word, raha, that means this. If it seems unpleasant to you, harmful to you, undesirable to you, injurious to you. So Joshua was honest. And Joshua was transparent. And Joshua got it. And Joshua understood that even though he's going to stand up in the front of a group of people that he knows and he's led for years, that when he says you should serve the Lord, there will be people in that group, in that congregation that say, you know what? Just seems undesirable to me. Just seems unpleasant to me. It just, it just seems harmful to my life. It just seems hurtful. So see, Joshua led in such a way that he was transparent and he was honest. So he said, so put away the gods of your, your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it seems unpleasant in your eyes to serve the Lord, then you're going to serve somebody. So choose this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. In other words, do not be influenced by this culture. Do not live your life to the ways of the world. And then, so here he goes, he makes a statement. But it, I, I just want you to know, but as for me and my house, total transparency, total integrity. But as far, far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I, I can't control what anybody else does. I can't control how the neighbors do their, lead their house. I can't control how my friends do. I can't control how society does. I can't control how anybody does, how anybody lives their life. But what I can control is how I live my life. And so I just want you to know that as far as me and my house, we're serving God. See, there's sometimes when you stand on God's word, you have to stand all alone because nobody else will stand with you. And that was Joshua's commitment. Joshua's commitment was so strong that it was like, you know what? doesn't matter whether you guys stand with me or not. It doesn't matter. I'll stand all alone if I have to because I'm serving him in sincerity and faithfulness. So just real quickly, before we take the Lord's Supper together this, this afternoon, just three principles on, on effective ministry or what effective ministry is based on as a church and then collectively uh, or, and then individually as, as personal believers in Christ. So the first thing is this. An effective ministry is where you believe the best in one another. We've lost all civility in culture. Where we have a culture and we have a group of people that no longer believe the best in one another. Effective ministry is when you get to the place to where you, you just believe the best in people. Joshua was that way. Joshua believed that given the facts, they'll make the right decision. Joshua believed and Joshua understood. He believed the best in them. And when you look at Joshua's ministry, an amazing study in Scripture, when you look at his ministry, you realize he led a long time. And he did some great things. I mean, there were some God stories because, because here's the deal. When, 
when you follow him and when you serve him with sincerity and faithfulness, he does some things in your life that you say only God could have done that. You realize when you don't serve him, you realize that's the blessing you robbed yourself from? Is that when you serve him, the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And when you and I serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, he does some, you, that's where God's stories come from. To where you can say, only God could have, could have done that. Like we had, a, we had a God moment last week in our church, right? Those of you that were with us over the last eight weeks, we had been raising money to pay cash for 50 acres of land that we're in the process of purchasing at Bandera and Highway 78 or Northern Avenue. And so we announced the amount, a little bit over $320,000 has already been given, and we celebrated that. And then also in that announcement, I told you guys, I said, you're never going to believe this. I mean, we, we had a, 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 an offer that was accepted. It was legally binding. It was a contract with the seller. That it, the purchase price for the 50 acres is $375,000. And so I said, you're not going to believe this. The sellers called us and says, you know what? We are so excited what God is doing in our community. We're so excited about Fellowship of the Rockies that we want to part, be a part of that. So here's what we've decided to do. We've decided to reduce the price $10,000. The new sales price is $365,000. And we celebrated that. And we said, you know what? Only God could have done that, right? I mean, you guys got any stories like that to where all of a sudden you agreed to buy something, to purchase a house or purchase a car, and then the person after you had the contract called you up and says, you know what? We asked too much. <laughs> right. And so that's how you get those stories. That's how you get those. That's how Joshua got those stories, his stories. That's how we get our stories. When you serve him in faithfulness and sincerity, when you delight yourself in him, when you truly follow him. But here's the amazing thing about Joshua's life. Even though he had God stories, he still had some hurt and pain. There were times that people betrayed him. There were times that people pushed back. There were times that people criticized him and talked about him. But you look at Joshua's life, and Joshua never became bitter, and he never became cynical. Amazing thing. Even after all of his hurt and all of his pain, he still believed the best in people. I've learned this in life. Trials in your life will either leave a scar of bitterness or cynicism, or they'll forge strength in your life. And give you character and perseverance. It's, it's your choice. Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15 begins writing about some of these principles. He's writing into the, the, the church there in Rome. And if you know anything about that church, that church was very less than perfect. Fact is, it was full of, like every church, imperfect people. And they made some imperfect decisions. And so the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 15 verse 14. Watch this opening line. I, myself, am satisfied about you. I mean, sometimes don't we need to hear that? Don't we need people around us? Isn't it, isn't it powerful when you have people around you that believe the best in you? That support you and encourage you? And Paul is writing into this church and he's saying, I, myself, I just want you to know, I know you're imperfect, but I am so satisfied about you. My brothers. So who's he writing to? He's writing to Christians. He's writing to a church. 
that you yourselves, watch this, you're full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to instruct one another. You know what Paul is saying? It's what many of us have learned, that every believer is a minister. That when you accept Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, that every believer is a minister. Now listen, you may not be a pastor and you may not serve on staff with a church, but when you look at Scripture, you realize and you find that every believer, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says that we're ambassadors of Christ, we're representative of His, and that the Scripture teaches that we are empowered and that we are a, that we are a, that we are a minister. And so, so God places us in places to where he needs us to minister. So you may, not be a, you may not serve on staff as a pastor, but you know where your ministry is? Your ministry may be in your home. Your ministry may be in a workplace. Your ministry may be in a neighborhood. Your ministry may be in a community. That your ministry may be the people, and God places you in places that he wants you to minister to and encourage and to help. I mean, we live in a world where t- technology is segregating us and separating us. And we need people around us that believe the very best in us. You want to stick out in the workplace? You want to stick out in this world? You just believe the best in everybody. And you don't gossip about them, and you don't slander them, and you don't judge them and all of those other things. That you understand that I am a representative of Christ. I am His ambassador. And God has placed me in situations, and God has placed me in circumstances of people that he wants me to meet and he wants me to minister to. This church could never operate at the level that it does without the ministry partners that we have here at Fellowship of the Rockies. Every weekend we have well over 300 ministry partners that serve alongside of our pastors. And whether they're, whether they're teaching in the children's area or student area, whether they're leading and in, in, in opening their homes to life groups, whether they're in the mission areas and local missions and international missions, Fact is, right now, we have a group from our church, 11 people touching down in Costa Rica uh, on a mission trip. It's an interesting mission trip. They, they felt this heart for, for Costa Rica and this burn. We have a missionary that's on the ground in Costa Rica. And I know it doesn't sound like they're sacrificing, but it's beach ministry at Costa Rica. And so uh, they flew into Costa Rica. This, the, well, they, they've landed just a few minutes ago, right before this service started. I talked with them, and they had landed there. They're all there safely. Let me tell you about their the mission, and it's just such an unbelievable deal. So it's 11 people that are going in the mornings in a, in a village on the beach of Costa Rica. They're going to do VBS. And so they're going to take all the children in the area, and they're going to do a VBS from, from 8 till noon. And then that afternoon, they're going to run sports camps. And so they're going to reach, reach the children there and the community there. And then they also had this desire. The missionary called and says, you know what? Another thing is, is we have a, a huge skaters community, uh, you know, people that like to, to, to skateboard. And so we put some construction guys together. And so we have a construction team there. We've already bought the supplies. And so they're going to build a half pipe. And so they're going to build a skateboard park with people that can minister to those that come. One of the girls that are on, our, on the mission trip, Kayla Hall, uh, she has some friends that are skaters, and so she just posted on Facebook and Twitter and said, I'm going on a mission trip to Costa Rica. If you guys have old skateboards and stuff like that and you'd like to donate them, just let me know, send them to the church, whatever. I mean, they have covered us up in skateboards to the point to where the mission team had to take less luggage so they can carry skateboards. And so, yeah, and so they're going to take, they're going to take and build a half pipe 
And then out of that, they're going to be able to give hundreds of skateboards away to these families and to these kids and to minister to them. And then this weekend is kind of the big deal. This weekend, there's at Costa Rica, there's an international surfing contest. And there's a couple of top surfers that recently have met Christ. And they want to effectively steward their influence because, see, they understand and they get it that now that they're in Christ, they're ministers. And they want to reach their surfing buddies that they've competed against and some of their friends. And so, so, so as a result of that, what we're going to do at the International Surfing Contest this weekend is our team of 11 are going to work the food tent, volunteer, and then they're going to handle the evangelism. And then these surfer guys that are one is a world champion is going to give his testimony about what Christ has done in his life, and our team is going to counsel them and talk to them and evangelize them. And I'm telling you, every believer is a ministry. When you're in Christ, when you accept him, Scripture says that he gives you a ministry. And so Paul goes on and says, says, I believe the best in you, and I believe that you're full of goodness. So does that mean perfect? No. What it means is this, is I believe the very best in you, and God has deposited something in you. And he who began a great work in you, will carry it on to the completion of Christ Jesus. That he has placed something in your life that you will mature and that you will grow and that you will develop. fact is, if you look at Paul's life, uh, his life has, has been that life where he's developed and, and he's matured and all of these other things. And he says, and you're complete in knowledge. In other words, you open up the Word and you look at Scripture and you read Scripture. And then he goes on to say, and you're able to instruct one another. In other words, every one of us can disciple someone. You, you know how much you need to know to disciple someone? A little bit more than the person you're discipling. You just have to be a week ahead of them. Right? And they'll think you're a genius. They'll think you're a spiritual giant. See, there's a lot of people who say, well, wait a minute. I can't, dis- I can't instruct anyone. I can't mentor anyone. I can't dis- dis- uh, help anyone. I mean, I'm still learning. Listen, we're all still learning. All you've got to do is find someone, a family member, a friend at work or whoever, where you're a little bit farther ahead of them. You're a little bit farther on the journey. And just pour into them and just minister. Listen, Every one of us is a minister. Every one of us, when when we accept Christ, have a spiritual gift to minister to others. The second principle of of effective ministry is this. Effective ministry is based. It's based on God's grace. I mean, this principle is just so important. When you look at at, at history of, of men and women that have done a lot for God in Scripture, you realize that they had very imperfect back lives. They had, very, they had flaws or they had sin or they had struggle. You look at Apostle Paul's life. I mean, the Apostle Paul himself said, nobody has sinned more than me. And I lived so far away from God and the things that I did were just horrible. And God radically changed me. And then you find those individuals, men and women, all through Scripture, 
that were very imperfect, that had some, some dark past, that came to know Christ. And then they took his word and they held fast to his word and understood that it's about him and not about them. Verse 15 out of Romans chapter 15, the scripture says, But on some points, so Paul's still writing to the Roman church, But on some points I've written to you very boldly as a way of reminder. There are times that we all need to be reminded from time to time of some hard stuff, right? And that's what Paul's doing. Paul's saying, you know what, there's some tough stuff that I need to tell you. There's some tough stuff that I need to remind you of. Because of the grace given me by God. Listen, let me tell you something. All ministry is built on grace. Ministry is received, not achieved. See, that was Apostle Paul's problem before Christ. He was trying to achieve ministry. He was trying to live a good enough life. He was trying to live a perfect life. He was Hebrew of Hebrews. He studied under the right guy. He went to the right seminary. He became a legalist of legalists. And he was like this religious guy. And he was trying to get perfect enough and, and to where he could like have this ministry. But the problem is this. Ministry is not a performance. Ministry is received. See, that's why I fought being a pastor for so long. Because I didn't know I could, I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know if I could. And then I learned that a call on your life, ministry, man, it's just received. And it's out of God's grace that he uses any of us. Listen, I'm telling you, if God can save me, and if God can use me, I promise you, he can use you. I promise you, it is by God's grace to where we know, you know what? Only God could have done that. Only God could have made that thing happen. That's why Jesus said, he said, you have not really chosen me. He said, I've chosen you. Now just go forth and what? Just go forth and bear fruit. Just go forth and minister. Just go forth and minister to those at your workplace or your home or in the community or your children, your family, whatever. Just understand wherever he has placed you that that is your ministry and that you can serve them in your local church and you can serve them in the community. And so when you look at Scripture, you realize that God uses imperfect people, right? Do you know how much stuff for God would get done if God only used perfect people? Nothing. Nada. Zip. And when you understand, just like the Apostle Paul, when you understand that it is only by His grace that He can use any of us. That's why sometimes people will give excuses when they say, ah, you know, that serving him, that kind of seems unpleasant, that seems undesirable, because I have way too many faults. I, I got a lot of growing up to do. I need to mature. I still sin. I'm telling you, all ministry, based on one thing, his grace. Ministry is received, not achieved. See, when you start looking at this issue of grace, grace is the fact that God knows every stupid mistake, every stupid decision, 
than I'm ever going to make in ministry. And he still calls me. He knows every dumb thing. In case you guys don't allow, allow that word stupid, I just realized in your home. but He knows every dumb thing that you're ever going to say, that you're ever going to do, and he still calls you. That's grace. He first loved us. While we were still sinners, he loved us and he called us. I mean, Paul would say in Scripture that the reason I have this ministry is not because I'm a great person and not because I'm perfect. The reason I have this ministry and what God is doing in my life and he's allowed me to do this is not because I'm perfect, but it's because of his grace. An effective ministry. Effective ministry is built on his grace. Listen, let me tell you something. I've done a lot of embarrassing things in this church. I mean, you just witnessed one when I interrupted the whole baptism because I can't count. Right? And you know, God has a way of reminding me that you know what? Charlie, it's in spite of you that I do what I do here, right? I mean, isn't that all of us? And so I've done a lot of, I've had a lot of embarrassing moments in our church. I've, I've blown a baptism, I've blown a wedding, uh, had an embarrassing moment once at a funeral. Uh, so this is giving you confidence about me right now. And, then, and then, then a couple of weeks ago, I thought my mic was off during worship. It wasn't. I'm singing along with you. The problem is it's coming over the loudspeakers. And so people up here are like freaking out because they're wondering who cannot sing on the team because they think it's one of them. So Pastor Chad is looking at Pastor uh, Jeff, and they're going back and forth like, who is it? Who is it? And I'm just singing away, and then and if I don't know the words, I just hum. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if I get hung up on something, it's no big deal. I'll keep going. I'll hum. I'll make up words. It does not matter to me. And so, so I still have no clue. They haven't put it together yet. fact is, nobody's put it together. And then Marlis is on the front row. She looks over at me, and she's like, <gasps> and she got it. And about that time, Chad got it. And he's like, you know, he's, he's like, cut, 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 and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to stand up again. And then, and so, so I thought, you know what? I've done the most embarrassing things you could ever do until last week. Some of you were here. And so, uh, so 12.30 service last week. The fact is, last week we celebrated the $320,000 that had been given to purchase land. And so we did that at the end of the service in case you weren't here, so we're all on the same page. And so, I came, so the worship team came up, and I announced the number in, in the 1230 service. I love the 1230 service because you're a little bit more rowdy than the rest of the services. And so, so the, the 1230 went nuts, and they're hooping and hollering and celebrating. And we go back into worship, $320,000, praise God. And so I'm supposed to walk off the platform back to my seat and come back up and close the service. And I walk off the platform. I miss a seat. And I'd do a face plant. Yeah, it was, I'm going, it, you know what made it worse? As I'm going down, I hear this lady go, oh my God. <laughs> Thinking, well, at least they're praying for me. And so, <laughs> I mean, I hit the ground hard. And I'm, yeah, you know. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I am such an idiot. I mean, I mean, this is supposed to be an epic moment in our church and their pastor is like laid out. And so then... It's something that we all do, and I know what to call it, the spirit of stupid. 
And so the spirit of stupid came over me. And so you, this is when you know you've got the spirit of stupid on you. You know, when you fall and people witness it and you try to get up and act like nothing happened. You know, I don't know why we do that. We do that, right? It's spirit of stupid. Now you got an answer for that. And so I fell out. And so Jerry Marr, who plays percussions over here, after it was over, she said, Charlie, you're not going to believe this. You were laid out. And you came right up. And this is how you came up. I did. I did. Like, I'm up. I'm good. Praising God. Praising God. And they're like, you know, like someone says, you know, you were, you were up, you were down, and then you were like up. And so somebody was in the 1230 last week there in Saturday night service, and they're saying, oh, Charlie, we're so glad you brought this up. This is so awkward. We don't know how to break it up, bring it up to you. But, you know, our section, we gave you a 10 for recovery. <laughs> I think you guys are grading that. Listen, let me tell you something. God has a way of reminding us that we're human, that we're flesh, that we're not perfect, and we're going to do things that maybe not. You know, not flawless and all of that other stuff. But I'm telling you, he uses us in spite of us. God does not get glory making your plans happen. You know how God gets glory? When his plans happen through you. Because he gets the glory, not you. So nobody can sit around, "Eh, that was my plan. I thought that up because I'm, I'm smarter than everybody else, I'm better than everybody else, and all of that other stuff. What gives God glory is when we serve Him, sincerity and faithfulness. We're, we have integrity, we're transparent, we're authentic, we're real. The last principle of ministries, based of ministry, effective ministry is always built on God's Word. It's never built on a personality. It's never built on a building. It's never built on land. It's never built on slick advertising campaigns or any of that other stuff. Listen, I, sometimes I get so scared of where the church is headed because there are some that believe it's built on a performance. And it's turning pastors into more of a showman than a shepherd. I'm telling you, great ministries are built not on a personality, not on a man, not on a, de- not on a denomination. They're built on one thing and one thing alone, and that is his word. Paul put it this way in verse 16. He said, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offerings of the Gentiles may be accepted, acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Every ministry, every church that's going to last is built on his word. It's an amazing thing about Joshua. Joshua understood what it meant to steward his influence. A lot of times when we talk in church and we start talking about stewardship, people go, okay, okay, that's money. I mean, this is when they're going to talk about money and how to steward your, your, your resources and how to give back to the church and all of that other stuff. And so there's a lot of times churches talk, when they talk about stewardship, they talk about money. Sometimes churches, when they talk about stewardship, will talk about your time that you need to give back to the church and you need to use your time properly and you have only so much time and all that other stuff. But you know one of the areas churches neglect the most, I believe, in the area of stewardship is influence. See, Joshua and Paul understood that they have influence. They have influence over a group of people that nobody else may have. And they understood what it means to steward that influence. 
So Joshua is about ready to die in Joshua chapter 24, and he knows this is the last time he's going to speak to them. So what does he do? He stewards his influence well. He says, I know I have influence in your life. We've done life together for many years. And I'm so afraid you're going to go back to your old way of life. I'm so afraid you're going to go back to the religion of your fathers. And I'm challenging you. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Because the rest of my days I'm serving him. Paul understood influence. The influence he had over churches. The influence he had over people. Do you realize you have influence? And you may have influence over your children, a spouse. You may have influence in a profession and a career. You may have influence in your school. This morning, the 9 o'clock service was one of the most unbelievable baptisms I'd ever witnessed. We had, a, we had some boys in our, in our student ministry that had been witnessing to and invited. And the fact is they got a list of all the kids they want to reach in their school. And they invited a friend from their school to Fellowship the Rockies. Their friend met Christ, and their friend was getting baptized this morning. And so all these kids are on the front row of the friend that they had brought. They watched him. I mean, they're hooping and hollering, and they're YouTubing it, and they're taking pictures, and, and they, built this, they made this big card. And in the foyer, they're so excited. They're having people sign the congrats card. They were so excited. They were even getting people that didn't even know him. Just sign the card. Sign the card. It's like a petition drive. And, and so I, I watched them at just such a young age, and they, they got it. They understood. Can you imagine what would happen if every one of us understood the influence that we have and we'd steward that properly. Could be a close friend that you've never ever shared Christ with. Never invited them to church. It could be your children. It could be someone that you work with and you know they ask you advice all the time and you know you have influence in their life. And you would say, well, wait a minute. I, when we raised kids, we, I wasn't a Christian. And it's never too late. Do you realize you could still steward your influence of your adult children? And talk to them how Christ has changed your life and have some honest conversations. How about your grandkids? You can steward your influence. 